This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Welcome into your Tuesday edition of One Bills Live. Maddie Glab alongside Steve Tasker. Chris Brown is out for the day. He'll be back tomorrow. We were both out yesterday. Yeah. There was no practice yesterday. The players had an off day. Today was their first practice back um, from, I was going to say it's their first practice back, but actually they practiced here on Sunday. Yeah, I was going to say it was their one. first practice back at Orchard Park at uh, One Bills Drive here, but it was actually their second practice back because they had a had a light kind of jog through practice on Sunday afternoon. Yesterday was an off day. Today they were back on, and man, and oh man! And when I say they were back on, they, <laughs> the boys were buzzing. It was intense out there. These guys are sick of seeing each other. They're sick of playing against each other, and it was getting heated out there. There was a yes. Big scuffle, probably the biggest fight in camp. Uh, Spencer Brown, Tyrell Dodson got into it, and plus 40 of their closest friends jumped in on that one too. I mean, everybody on the field was in this scuffle. Finally ended up going down on the ground, swinging helmet, the whole thing. He didn't get much on it because there were like too many guys crowded (laughs) around. But when he swung that helmet, everybody was mad at him then because, you know, you just don't do that. Got down. He was he stormed off. Linebacker coach brought him back. You know, then that period finally ended. They started on another period where it's you know they're doing some other stuff, and they were getting vocal, and like you know they were it was kind of like down and distant stuff. Situational. The whole practice is a little bit of situational football, and they were bickering about what was you know what was allowed what wasn't da, 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 and going on and on then you know this guy does that and then there was like one little thing that look one little minutia thing like an offsides or something that happened and McDermott stopped everything brought him and it it was weird because the music stopped and everybody got and they came they came running up and it was like it seemed like it was a church I mean it was dead silence so and McDermott was giving him what for out in the field and you could hear some of it and he was like, you know, just basically knock it off. Sometimes you need a little reset. Sometimes yeah. you need to come together, reset the practice, get back going in the, in the right direction, yeah. right headspace, <laughs> and all right. of that. And and we spoke to Josh Allen after practice. We'll hear from him later in the show. But he was asked about, you know, the intensity of practice. Some are way more intense than others. Today happened to be an intense practice. Maybe it was the fact yeah. that they were coming off of an off day yesterday and we're bringing the heat um, as we get closer and closer to cuts coming up on August 29th. But Josh basically said, hey, Whatever happens in between those lines, we know when we walk out of those lines, we know when practice ends, we are brothers, we love each other, uh, this competition is good for us, we, we appreciate the intensity because every guy is fighting for their job, every guy is fighting to be the best player they can be on this roster, and, and sometimes things get heated, sometimes things get intense, especially this was training camp practice number 14, um, we're over two weeks into training camp here and it's like waking up and and being with your sibling for the entire day sometimes it's just like get off my back man and also I I think there's a little something that happens to the mindset when you move from training camp back to Orchard Park and you're in your kind of game day game week environment particularly for the veterans uh Steph was chirping today (laughs) He got into a chirping match with Saran Neal, Saran Neal, Tredavious White, and Steph got into a chirping match. Or no, not no, it was uh, Gabe Davis. Uh, caught a t- nice catch on Tredavious, and 
the offense went crazy. Uh, Tredavious wasn't having it. He was he – was, that stuck away. He was bummed because it was a nice fight. It was a great catch, yeah, no question. Gabe so Davis, I think that was one of the best catches yeah. I've seen all camp. The, Josh Allen had it on a rope to yeah. him in the corner of the end zone. I mean, Trey White was right on him as well. Yeah, it was a 50-50 football, and, and Gabe came down with it. But the, there's no question. It was a very serious practice. The players took it very seriously. They were at a higher level of – intensity throughout the entire day. They had a lot of drills. I don't know if you noticed this, Maddie, that there were a lot of competitive drills going on, offense against defense. You know, they were all thud. They weren't taking anybody to the ground, but they were competing. So they started, you know, then the team, they started chirping about who was winning and who won each rep. And that was, I think, the impetus for Sean, bringing them up, you know, and saying, hey, you know, quiet down. Because they were, they when you're competing, these guys are competitors. They're when you go in the locker room, they compete about everything. Who can make their ball of tape into the furthest waste basket? And you can. And they they have like all kinds of competitions, you know, all of it. They, they compete at every moment of their day. And so when they get out on the practice field, they start they start taking the details a little too seriously. Like down a distance, he should have been spotted a half a yard back, or that guy should have been here, and that guy. And Sean just said, "Hey, shut up!" <laughs> you know, basically, shut up. Do your job. Let's go. Uh, because they were – because of the intensity, I think they were – yeah, there was a little hostility out there that we hadn't seen in a regular training camp over at St. John Fisher. And I don't know whether – and I know that it – I can remember back – we're talking about this. I, I can remember back it feeling different when you got back in the building after training camp. This is a time point where I, you come back from training camp. You've been at St. John Fisher for two and a half weeks. You're back in Orchard Park. It signals that – the season is yeah. is coming closer it and closer, close, and it feels yeah. closer. And and at and at some point within camp, you gotta you gotta ramp it up. Yeah. And this might be the ramp up time for this team, where where you're dialed in on things, where you're you're focusing in on your assignment, your job, um, knowing that. I saw Adam Schefter tweet yesterday. It was four weeks from yesterday. Is Buffalo's Week One game against the Jets? It is coming. It is coming soon, and we're gonna blink and we're gonna be here for Week One of football. And oh, by the way, they've got a new running back on their roster yeah. that the Bills' defense is gonna have to be ready for. Uh, in fact, the AFC East has two new big running backs that this team is gonna have to be ready for. That's gonna be our question of the day. Our Twitter topic: How do Dalvin Cook and Ezekiel Elliott signings change your thoughts on the division. You guys can tweet at us at Steve Tasker, Maddie Glab, or One Bills Live, or you can give us a call 803-0550. Um, we'll be discussing that throughout the entire show. But before we hop into that, I want to kind of go back to the first preseason game. We haven't had a chance to break oh, it yeah. down yet on One Bills Live since we weren't a part of yesterday's show. And, you know, the Bills beat the Colts 23-19. to We saw a little bit of Kyle Allen, a little bit of Matt Barkley. I think the big storyline, of course, coming out of that game is DeMar Hamlin playing in his first game back since that cardiac arrest that he suffered on January 2nd against the Cincinnati Bengals. He talked about so many different milestones that he 
he's passed. Um, being able to come back onto the football field, full pads for the first time, your first practice back at Highmark Stadium, your first preseason game back at Highmark Stadium. And this was another big milestone for not just him, but his family members, the entire team, the coaching staff. Sean McDermott, after the game, was asked about it, and he said, you know, I was I was talking to our athletic training staff and I said, Are you guys gonna are you guys gonna pay close attention to him today? You've gotta have eyes on this right. guy today as he as he suits right. up for his first game back and and DeMar said, you know, it was great to be back out there with the guys. It was it was great to be in on a couple of plays. He had that fourth and that big fourth and one stop, he said, where where the jitters kind of fall off you after you have your first taste of live contact. So that was probably the biggest storyline coming out of that preseason game. But another big storyline, I think, is looking at that backup quarterback spot for the Bills. Sean McDermott was asked about it after the game, and he said it's an open competition. Now, Kyle Allen was 8 of 15 in the game against the Colts for 122 passing yards, threw one interception, had a 52.6 passer rating, and Matt Barkley was 14 of 15 for 172 yards, two, two passing touchdowns, and a 154 passer rating. Matt Barkley also spoke to the media after the game, as well as Kyle Allen. And Matt Barkley was kind of asked about, you know, you go out there and, and you have a, a game. Kyle had some good throws, but on, on other plays, he struggled. What do you see with this? And, and Matt Barkley said, you know, I've been in this offense for years. Kyle is still learning this offense. It wasn't pretty for me the first game that I stepped in there in this new offense when I was first uh, a Buffalo I don't know. Bill. He says that. But he hung 41 points on the Jets off the street that's, four, five, that's, four that's years true. ago. That's true. But a first but preseason right. game. I sure, mean, he's your, right. your first, your first he's taste right. of a game with a new team and a new offense, it might take a little bit of time. But Sean McDermott did say this is an open competition still. Yeah, what, did you, what did you make of that? I, I th- Here's the way I see it, and I don't want to oversimplify it, although that's it's kind of what you have to do because we're not in the ins and outs and nuts and bolts of – and Josh was calling plays for goodness sake in the yeah. second half, right? I mean, I mean, it, it was a preseason game, and we all tend to over-exaggerate every bit of information. But I'll say this, one, one, and if I can generalize about the two quarterbacks, Kyle Allen, you watch him out in practice, he plays well. He's a, he looks good. He's got some zip on his he ball He looks sometimes. good in practice. And, and, and Matt Barkley looks um, – he doesn't look like that in practice. He look, Kyle Allen looks better. But we've seen Matt Barkley in games on – in in preseason games and in regular season games, and Barkley shows up big when the lights are on. He's a little bit like Josh in that. When Josh, we always tend to think in those primetime games, Josh turns it up a notch. Matt Barkley is that guy to me. (laughs) He comes in off the street four years ago or five years ago and hangs 41 points on the Jets. He gets in in week 17 of 2019, I believe, or maybe 2020, where the Jets can win, and I mean, with, against the Dolphins. The mm-hmm. Dolphins can win and get in, and he beats them by himself in the second half. Josh plays the first half of Week 18, and Barkley takes over for him, and he beats him. Um, when the lights come on, Barkley plays his best. He doesn't look like it in practice. He's a good player in practice, but he's not like he is in these games. So, And, and Kyle Allen seems to be kind of the reverse of that. He's really solid, makes the right moves. Right down the hat, right down the you know the check marks all the way through practice, makes the throws he should make, makes good reads, um, but in the he doesn't rise up during the game, and that, which is what Barkley seems to do. Um, now there's no question, you and I both know, Kyle Allen's got a bigger arm, more physically gifted than Barkley, a little bit better athletically. 
But, you know, they're playing quarterback. So most of their job is a, between their ears. Mm -hmm. And when the lights come on, Barkley seems to be just a little better than Kyle Allen, even though physically and even in practice, it, it seems the other way. So I don't know how this is going to shake out. I know Matt – and I've said – I said this on the broadcast when we did the game. The, the two quarterbacks, Kyle Allen and Matt Barkley, I hate to say it, I don't care if they can play quarterback. What I care about is can they help Josh play better at quarterback. That's their job as mm -hmm. the quarterback room. Focus on getting the number one guy ready to play. You don't want your backup quarterback, whoever it may be, Barkley or Allen, Kyle Allen, to take half the reps in practice or, you know, or whatever because you don't want to get two guys. You don't want to get Josh Allen and Kyle Allen half ready to play. You got to get Josh 100% ready to play, and Kyle's got to get himself ready. So Matt Barkley, Kyle Allen, um, you know, and Ken Dorsey and everybody in that room is focused on getting Josh ready to play. And when you start worrying about, wow, which backup quarterback, listen, there ain't nobody out there who's going to replace Josh if he goes down. Impossible. So just get a guy who's going to help that quarterback room, give yourself some, some credibility at the mm -hmm. position when you do have to make a change, if you do. But – it's a really interesting race because, like you said, Sean was asked about it because pe people were talking about it. Wow, Barkley looks really good. Is this a competition? And Sean unequivocally said yes. And today, we'll see. You know, there's no difference because mm -hmm. they're both going to. We're going to see him for another couple of weeks. Yep, we've got another preseason game coming up on Saturday. That's going to be an away game for the Bills. They're heading to Pittsburgh to face the Steelers. 6.30 kick um, Eastern time. So we'll see as that competition continues to go on. There's other competitions going on for the Bills. You know, middle linebacker, cornerback, um, right guard. So what, what else did you make of the preseason game? Is there anything else that stood out to you from that game? I know sometimes preseason games, it's a preseason game. How much can you make of an actual preseason game? But was there anything else that, that you wanted to note on that game against the Colts? Uh, just I, I thought Sean McDermott and that I said this as well in the open, I don't think they're going to struggle as a staff. I don't think Sean McDermott and his coaches are going to struggle with him being defensive coordinator. Yeah. I don't – that doesn't – that's not my – that's not my concern or my question. My question is, how is this defense going to look different with him doing it? And I think it will. I think it's going to look very different. I think there's a chance this defense, while it may be a little bit more of a roller coaster than it was under Leslie Frazier, I think they're at the high end is going to be – I think it's going to be spectacular for, for – we never really saw that with Leslie Frazier's group. And I think we're going to get that because they're going to take some chances, a little, few more chances. And they may, they may get hit on the back end once in a while, but I think this is a defense that has a chance to be special at mm -hmm. any given moment during a season instead of just being that, that steady, tough to move the ball against. And when the offense makes a mistake, they pay the price, and yep. that's it. I think this is a defense that may force more mistakes than, than they have in the past. The defensive line had some nice pressure on the O-line and on um – the quarterbacks that were in for the Colts, you know, you mm -hmm. saw a few, Richardson, Ellinger, mm -hmm. and Minshew. Um, but I thought they did a good job of kind of pushing the pocket there. And a couple got home for sacks, and then Dane Jackson had that interception right away. And um, Sean McDermott was asked about it really early when we found out, you know, he's going to be calling plays this season. And he said – 
every defensive coordinator is different. You know, every DC has their own spice to the way they call the game, to the way that they operate, to what they like on the field, to to where they pick their spots and how they blitz and, and how exotic these blitzes can get. And I think we saw a taste of that against the Colts. It's going to be a more vanilla look. We're not seeing everything right now. You're not going to reveal everything in preseason football, but um, you talk about time on task for everybody and, and getting these reps, and, and I love that that Coach McDermott's getting these reps uh, ahead of that week one game against the Jets and, and kind of figuring out is it's not just, okay, Sean is down here calling plays. It's it's who is helping Sean while he is calling plays. You know, there's so right. many things that go on within a game, and there's other people that are picking up uh, his duties that he would have as a head coach during a game. So, so being able to figure all of that out, I think, and, and seeing, okay, this is going to work. This is this is nice and sound. We, we have everything set. Everybody knows where they need to be or everybody knows what their job is, you know, when Sean is busy um, calling the calling the plays for the defense. So I liked what I saw out of this first game, and I think a lot of the other players liked what they saw as well and, and thought yeah. it was a, a smooth operation. Eric Washington, the defensive line coach of the Bills, talked to media this morning. Um, Eric and Sean go back to their Carolina Panthers days, and – Eric was asked of, what did you think of Sean? And in his first taste of live action out there for a preseason game, he said it was it was like we were back in Carolina, and I don't think he had to to knock any rust off. And I think right. I think everybody can agree with that. It didn't seem like um, right. they were struggling at all or trying to struggle to get things together. And, and a lot of it is also just getting 11 guys on the <laughs> field. That's a lot when you have a roster as big as they have right now, making sure they're getting looks from all the players they need to get looks from too. Yeah, that's right. And there was a couple of guys on defense who, young guys who, well, I say young, uh, Boogie Basham, three tackles, had a tackle for loss, a sack and a quarterback hit. And Dorian Williams played well, seven mm-hmm. tackles. He had a team-high seven tackles for the Bills. Uh, it's interesting to see how, who of the new faces and different faces – under a new defensive coordinator and a new year, new season, are going to come in and, and spread their wings a little bit. Dorian Williams played very, really well in there. Um, had, been, had been a little off the radar during training camp because of the middle linebacker thing, and he had moved over. And um, So, yeah, it was nice to see Dorian Williams have a team-high seven tackles, uh, and it was also nice to see Boogie Basham uh, play as well as mm-hmm. he did. I think – and it's – it's games like that and, and stretches like we've seen that get guys more and better reps higher on the depth chart. Like, you know, taking reps with the ones, taking reps with, um, you know, more reps with the ones, getting more time in the preseason game with the ones, and, and either getting more time in the preseason mm-hmm. or getting protected and pulled out of the game. Right, right. So they don't get – they don't even taking reps because the co- coaching staff says, no, no, I know what I need that's to what know. That's what happened to Dane. Exactly. Interception, what happened. you're out. That's right. You're going to sit down. All that stuff is – it's really interesting to see how be, – because for the first time when you get into these games where it's a physical risk to be in them, you see what the coaches really, really think of guys mm-hmm. and which guys they really hold in high esteem because they just don't let them play. Yeah, Eric Washington said Boogie Basham came to play. He said Doreen Williams, you could see his physicality. He's the type of player where you can finally see what he can offer when you put the pads on and when you actually right. start hitting guys. I also thought it was it was notable that Eric Washington said, I was really proud of the way that we tackled. 
I think that sometimes goes by the wayside in the first few preseason games because sometimes it can be sloppy. Nowadays, you are you are fully thud in training camp practices. There are yeah. very that few times no when you go yeah. live. That means no tackling. And so these guys, and I think, Steve, you and I have talked about it this offseason, it's the first time they've been actually tackling guys since their last game in January. Yeah, that's right. Uh, they There might have been stretches in – in training camp where they kind of did it and guys actually accidentally went down or whatever. But man, oh man, you, and I get it too. Old guys like me, you're sitting, we're sitting up in the stands or I'm sitting in the booth going, golly, they, 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 they can't, guys can't tackle <laughs> anymore. And I'm screaming at clouds, you know, well, the simple truth is they don't tackle as well because they can't practice it. Mm-hmm. It used to be you, every, every practice was a tackling drill because it was live. I mean, you were taking guys down all the time, and guys just did it and did it. And now, because of the wear and tear and because of the, the injury risk, and because these guys are now, they're no, no longer rented mules. They're prized cows. So they don't, they don't put them through that. taking chances. Yeah, they're not, you're not, yeah. <laughs> you're not mistreating your prized cow. Mm-mm. You will a rented mule, and none of these guys are that. So... You know, the, with the money and the value that these guys have to the organization, they don't put them at risk. They're not going to have them dragged down in practice. They're not going to have them rolled up on in practice. You know, all all this, the million things you can get hurt at. And so, as a result, guys are a little bad at tackling. Mm-hmm. They're not – and plus, they can't tackle the same way they used to tackle. You can't yeah. lead with your head. Me – I, I may as well have been a hammer because you hit me. I hit with my head all the time. You know, this is the way we did it. You go back and look at my football cards. My shoulder pads are the size of a refrigerator. Right now, these guys, you can't even tell if they're in shells or in their pads. So, yes, it is difficult to practice tackling. It's difficult to have guys do it well. But today, and when the pads go on, really, finally, I think, and you said it, Maddie, they can't hide. If if they don't like it, it shows, even mm-hmm. in today's NFL. If you have – I was telling some other guys on the sidelines today, if your sense of self-preservation is overdeveloped, you really can't play ball. You can't play football. You have to be willing to put yourself at risk. And yep. Some guys shy away from it, even I, at this level. And I think it's good for, you know, putting yourself at risk. It's good for guys like who have been injured – it's good for Demar Hamlin to to experience tackling. It's good again. It's good for Micah Hyde to get in there after his injury. It was his first preseason game back. Right. It's good for a guy like Tredavious White who is still making his way back to the field. And speaking of players who are making their way back to the field, the Bills activated linebacker Tyler Medikevich from the active PUP list. So it's good to have him back in the lineup. He's a big special teamer, and I know um, the team is happy to have him back and healthy also a rotational linebacker as well kind of filling in some of that depth there Um, reports out of practice Brandon Shell was not at practice today and reports are saying that he intends to retire Um, he's 31 years old the Bills just signed him this offseason he's been a good depth right tackle piece for this team Um, so you wonder where this team goes if that is go if that is the case Um, this has not happened yet these are just reports out there um, coming out after practice today when he wasn't a part of anything Um, Reggie Gilliam was back at practice today um let's see who else was out there Damian Harris still not practicing 
Cam Lewis was still not practicing. Um, Terrell Bernard also not practicing yet. Um, Sean McDermott gave updates on these guys. And he said that Damian Harris is trending in the right direction. So that's good to hear. Uh, so getting some of these guys back um, day to day, which is which is what you want to happen as you are back in Orchard Park for training camp and you're getting closer to that week one game. Yeah. And in this it's interesting because you really have to do it every day. I mean, we go out and take attendance at practice because it's so fluid when they get in here and they're they're on their feet all day, they're practicing in the morning, then they, they do something in the afternoon, guys will work out in the afternoon or lift or whatever, and somebody gets tweaked in the weight room, all of a sudden they don't show up at practice and everybody's scrambling around to find yeah. out how big a story it is and Who, how well, serious it is. Why? Yeah, exactly. Um, and during the regular season, Sean just usually goes down the list. But in, in training camp, they, nobody's got time for that. There's too many people. Yeah. Nobody's got time to go down that list of like, yeah, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. There's like 12 guys who've got some form of limitation, if not out and out being being out. So they don't do that in preseason. So in the regular season, the guy we always have a good handle on who's in and who's out. Yeah. But in this, it's a little bit more fluid. Tommy Doyle and DJ Dale also had injuries during the preseason game. Sean McDermott called them more contusions more than anything. Uh, Tommy and DJ were also back at practice today. So I think that does it for the injury updates. Hopefully that list gets a little bit smaller as we continue on through training camp. Uh, we've got Eric Wood. He's going to come on the show today at 2 o'clock, help us Kind of look back at that Colts and Bills preseason game. Look ahead to the next preseason game and just talk about where this team is at right now. Um, he knows what it's like being in the dog days of training camp and and trying to you know stand out, make a roster, all of that. So we'll um, talk to him about that. We've got our topic: how how do the signings of Dalvin Cook and Zeke really change your thoughts on the division, if any? Are are you are you feeling any type of way about this? Or are you just like, you know what? It is what it is. I don't think it impacts us that much. You could say for one team, maybe more than the other team. Um, and we've actually got a caller hanging on the line. It's Tom. He's been hanging on the line for a few minutes from the west side, and, and he's got some comments on this subject. So Tom will bring you on right now. Tom, how are you doing today? Hey, hi, girls and boys. I'm doing okay. I was listening to your question today, and I, I thought about it for a minute. And Zeke doesn't really scare me because, one, he's going to New England, and all they're going to do is run the ball. Mac Jones can't throw it. He doesn't have receivers. Yeah, they beat us last year, but that was the win game. Now, the Jets, they scare me a little bit, but Delvin Cook, now, now realize Zeke and Delvin both have a lot of miles on because they've run the ball out of them and both those teams previous to their being released. So they got a lot of miles on. And they're both injury. They're, they're coming off injuries last year. So the, the running backs aren't really – and and you got – oh, who, who's the other guy for the Jets? Brees Hall. Yeah, Brees Hall. He's coming off an injury. Now, I hear the Jets, they got a few good backups, but, I mean, they're like rookies. So they're not really scaring me. So, I, I mean, 
in the passing game. Oh, and and I want to add the Jets don't have an offensive line to protect Aaron Rodgers, and I wonder if Rodgers thought about that before he signed with them. All right, all thanks, good thoughts. Tom. Thanks, thanks, Tom. Yeah, th- yeah, a lot in there. C- certainly, um, I'm pretty sure Aaron Rodgers carefully considered <laughs> what he was doing, and they had long conversations about the offensive line and ev- on the weapons, especially around him. No question. Um, I get it about Zeke. I, I think Zeke's going to a place where, uh, you know, that stuff I said about being a rented mule. I think that's what Zeke really is on a one-year deal, and Dalvin's on a one-year deal, on one deal too. So they have the Jets and the Patriots have no should have no qualms about handing those guys the ball a lot, a lot, because they don't have any future with those teams, or at least not in writing. Yeah, Dalvin and Zeke both worth up to $8.6 million. Are, were you surprised to see that number? I know it's up to, so when you hear those words, it's an incentives-based salary. I'll bet, a lot, I'll bet they're getting at least six, and you know, for, all, for those of us sitting at home, yeah, that's – it's almost 300 grand a game with so, how yeah. much yeah with how much we've talked about running backs this off season and and running backs not being happy with what they're being paid or um, thinking that they're worth more than than the NFL is saying they're worth and, and the Zeke is Zeke deal is worth up to six million Delma Cook deal is worth up to 8.6 million dollars do you think that's fair pricing? Do you think it's it's crazy after we've we've spent some shows talking about well, running backs are deserve this now in the NFL depending it's a good on question. what what scheme you're in? I think that's a I think that's kind of the going rate for a, a quality NFL. It's, in fact, it may be a slightly low. If if Dalvin gets the eight, that's a good deal on a one year deal for a p- proven player at other positions. Uh, Leonard Floyd got just around that for a one-year deal with Buffalo. Mm-hmm. I think that's what you're looking at in one-year deals. It's it's excellent money for the rest of us, uh, and it gives them a chance to, you know, have some life-changing money um, on a one-year deal. And what the club gets out of it, to me, is that they're gonna, the guy's really going to give him a good effort because he wants to sign another one, mm-hmm. right? So – there's, you know, he doesn't have to sit back and then wait for a contract year. Everything's a contract year for these guys. Right, right. And I think that there's something in that for the club as well. So I do think these prices are – I think it's the going rate. Maybe Zeke's a little less, which is New England's way of doing business. Mm-hmm. But maybe New England made him some assurances and said, hey, we'll, we'll give you a chance. We're going we're gonna to hand you the rock. So you're going to have a chance to have a really good year this year, and you can hit it out of the park next year. Although – Next year, he's going to be a year older and have that many more carries on his on his odometer. Yeah. So I don't know if it makes much sense as a running back. We'll share our thoughts on that later in the show. Coming up at 2, we've got Eric Wood joining us. And next, we're going to hear from Josh Allen. He talked to the media after practice and had some things to say. So stick with us here on One Bills Live. We'll be right back. This is One Bills Live presented by Clyde Health on Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, we talked about the intensity of today's practice. It was training camp practice number 14, so this team has been at it for a while now, and Josh Allen spoke about that intensity of today's practice. So let's go right over to Josh Allen and hear what he had to say after practice today. We're just uh, working to to compete and get better, and, you know, we want to be great. Sometimes you uh, go through practices like that where both sides want it really badly, 
Um, both guys, both sides are, are storming to the ball, um, just trying to make some plays, and you need those practices. That, that, that makes your team better. Was that one a little bit more, I guess, intense than usual? I mean, I think all of our practice have their moments. Um, I think this one may be the most constant, you know, and, and again, it's, uh, it's expected. It's, it's, it's deserved. Exactly. <laughs> hey! So there ever times when you maybe see stuff back on tape after something like that that you feel like you got to go say something to one of the guys, or does it ever get to that point? I mean, because in the heat of the moment, guys say things. Do you, do you ever feel like you got to say something back to them later? Uh, I think it's it's well understood on this team that. Everything that happens in between the white lines stays within the white lines. We love each other. This is a team that gets along extremely well. Our locker room is fantastic. We spend a lot of time outside the facility together. But at the same time, we're, we're grown men, and we want to win. You know, We don't want to give the defense anything. The defense doesn't want to give us anything. So um, I'd be worried if it was the opposite, to be honest. It seemed at one point like you were also um, – wait, actually, I don't know what's been asked. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> what have you – Every time I walk past him in the locker room, he's got his playbook open. He's writing stuff down. Um, he's trying to learn our offense as well as he can. He, he's been making some plays. I think he played extremely well in the preseason game. Um, and, you know, he's, he's, he's got good body language. He's been easy to throw to. Um, and uh, I, I know that he's, he's impressed a lot of people. Um, guys on the team, you know, they, they love having around doesn't really say much. He just goes out there and he, he wants to get better. So I know he's had a few stops around the league and, um, you know, he's, he's, he's a few years in, into this league, so he knows the business side of it um, by now. But he's just come in here and he, he's been a professional about how he's handled things and it's been, it's been really fun to, fun to watch. What was it like getting a chance to call a couple plays on Saturday? Who told you that? Uh, it was fun, you know, and just uh, to go out there and, and call some, some plays for Bark and I don't know if that continues or not, but it was uh, it was fun. It, it felt like you were playing playing Madden out there. It was it was a lot, it was a lot of fun. Did you watch the film of those plays to see how they went? Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, when it came on the quarterback room, I perked up a little bit and then, hey, Bart, this is the reason why I called this play, right? And I saw the so I, I got my my coach's hat on at that point during the meeting. As soon as those plays were done, I was like, ah, these are all Dorsey's plays. It's fine. You know, so it's fun. I mean, I think I think Barkley was six for six. Um, <laughs> During those plays, but in fairness, he was uh, at seven of eight, or eight of six, or whatever it was, seven or eight, or eight or nine, with Dorsey calling the plays too. So you could have called a bunch of stuff for Barkley that game. He was he was feeling it. Kyle Allen said one of the biggest adjustments is just learning a new offense. What are some of the ways you've helped him kind of adapt and adjust to it? Yeah, I mean, just if he's got questions, just trying to have that open communication, the open line of communication. Um, he does such a good job. He's a, he's a smart. Smart player. Obviously, he's been around the league um, for the last few years. Um, one of my, my best buddies. So we can talk about literally anything. So um, to have him in the room and, and learning things and seeing things. And obviously, me and Bark, we, we've known the system for, for a, lot, uh, a lot longer time. Um, there is an adjustment period with this, this system. There's a lot of stuff that goes in. But once you get it, it's, it's a fun offense to play in. And he's, he's uh, starting to get to that point where it's coming, kind of coming second nature to him, uh, which is fun to see when he's out there on the practice field. 
In years past when you've gotten snaps in preseason games, what are you trying to accomplish with those snaps that you're getting? Making sure that I'm seeing the defense, um, you know, pre-snap, post-snap reads. Um, obviously, you want to go out there and you want to play well, um, you know, because I think that gives you gives confidence to, to every, everyone around you. Same time, it's, it's preseason, you know, you, you hope there's, there's no mistakes, but you'd rather have them now than during the season so you can kind of go back and talk about them and correct them. So I'm not sure what the plan is the next week or next two weeks, um, but I'm, I'm ready to go at any point. Day after he's missed a little bit of time, what was that like? It was great. You know, throwing to the tight ends, got an extra guy guy back there, and um, you know he's kind of our fullback. He's our our second or third tight end. Um, sometimes he's our running back. You know he's a big special teams guy. Um, just a Swiss Army knife. So it's good to try to or get him back into the flow of things and just kind of plugging him in and out. Um, again, a guy that's worked so hard. Uh, he deserves everything that he's gotten in his career so far, and you know he doesn't doesn't talk. He just goes to work, and um, you know it's inspiring to guys. Six for you, you and Sean obviously close. Him now as a defensive coordinator, so a little bit of John, a little chirping out there. Just kind of how much fun is that, and, and kind of ramps up the intensity. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. I think again that we're we're competitive guys. You know, by nature, this is this is our job. This is what we do. It's who we are. Uh, is to go out there and put our best foot forward each and every day, and. Um, you know, it's it's it makes practice so much more fun, competitive, um, and I think it, it gives us an edge. And I think that's something that, again, we, we need on this team. And um, these practices, they, they tell you a lot about certain guys and, and how your team's going to react to certain things. And uh, you know, it's it's fun to be a part of. In that competitive edge, I know you never want to throw an interception, but is there someone that is most annoying when that happens? <laughs> um. Micah, just because I love him so much, that's that's my guy. We we talk, we talk a lot, um, talk a lot of trash too. So me and Micah go at it, but it's it's a lot of fun. What did you think of that throw you had over to the game, over to Gabe, that catch that Gabe made over Trey White for a touchdown? It was a good 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 catch. You know, went over the top. Trey was in a good position. Um, Gabe was able to come down with it. You know, I think it was fourth down, so we needed it as an, an off- we needed it as an offense, and we got it. You know, we can rely on Gabe to make those types of catches. Um, I agree to disagree with that. I don't talk trash. Um, Steph, Steph's a good trash talker. I like the way he talks trash. I think uh, Jordan Phillips can talk some good trash too. Um, those are my two guys. Yeah, Gabe. Gabe's constant. You know, it, I think maybe that's why I didn't pick him, just because it's it's just kind of him. You know, he doesn't really have a switch; it's just always on. What is good trash talk to you? Is it quality or quantity? Um, it's the quantity of the quality. Now you say you don't agree with that. Do you think what you say is not trash talking? Is that the way you look at no, it? No, I'm, I'm just messing. I, I just, yeah, we're just having fun. Oh, Josh Allen messing with the media after a practice. Tell me, uh, I haven't heard that before. I definitely have. <laughs> he likes to give those responses where you kind of scratch your head and you're like, Josh, are you joking or are you being serious right now? He was asked of being a trash talker, and he said, I agree to disagree. He did say that Steph Diggs and Jordan Phillips are good trash talkers, as well as Gabe Davis. He said Gabe Davis never stops trash talking. Trash talker Steve Tasker, who was the best a part of the years that you were a part of the Bills?
We, I don't know if we had. Do you remember? Do you remember any any incredible trash talkers that you had? Really, Eric Moulds was really good. Even as a young guy, he was pretty good because he was really smart and he had some grit. So, um, yeah, probably Eric Moulds was really good. Um, Thurman was good because he was he always had this huge chip on his shoulder too. So Mm -hmm. you know, you get you get guys that have a a feisty competitive nature about them and they just can't be quiet. Yeah. You know, they got to talk about it. So Thurm was like that. And Eric Moles was like that. The offensive guys yeah. defense. I don't know that if there's any cor- every corner you ever talk to is, man, I mean, <laughs> everybody that's on part defense. of the job description. So, um, Mark Kels was probably the least talkative guy out there in that respect. But mm-hmm. yeah, every NFL cornerback and most receivers, <laughs> Steph has some good one-liners I will I will say that he's he's creative with how he he uses his words before we go to break let's go quick around the NFL it's presented by Kaleida Health and we we covered the deals with Dalvin Cook and Zeke Elliott already but some other running back news here out of the AFC East so Jets running back Brees Hall he had that ACL injury he's coming off the PUP list he was limited at today's practice and Robert Sala, the head coach of the Jets, said they expect him to be ready for week one. So the Bills don't have to just prepare for Dalvin Cook. They'll also have to prepare for Brees Hall. I think that's big for the Jets to be able to get him back at this time a couple weeks you know, month before the Bills are going to face the Jets in week one. Um, some other news out of Jets practice, maybe a, a, a not crazy news right now. There was a report out of practice today that Aaron Rodgers uh, was kind of limping around on the field. We we remember that he injured that. Uh, I think it was the right calf during OTAs. Um, he was clutching his left calf during practice. He never came off the field. He stayed in for the next play. So probably... Um, at least for the Jets' side of things. No news is good news for them. So we'll kind of monitor that and see if anything comes out of that. Other AFC East news, um, Patriots tight end Mike Isicki suffered a mild dislocated shoulder during Monday's practice. The hope is that he's back for week one. Um, Finally, the Cowboys and Zach Martin have agreed to reworking a deal. He returns to the team. Um, Other news and notes for the Colts. You know, we got to see a little bit of Anthony Richardson on Saturday. He was 7 of 12 for 67 yards, uh, one interception. You could see that athleticism on display. I I want to say when when we saw him on Saturday, he was, according to Shane Steichen, he is the starter for the team this season. I I was impressed with him. And Buffalo fans probably have a – skewed view of maybe re- what the reality is for everybody because we saw Josh Allen go from from Anthony Richardson to Josh Allen and when and when Josh came in he was he was the most controversial political subject in football I mean you either loved him or hated mm-hmm. him right I mean he was he was that polarizing and now of course everything's changed he's an elite quarterback and he's in the conversation for MVP every year Anthony Richardson reminds me of where Josh was, even more so. He's strong arm, great athlete, finished a nice run. Uh, Josh made – Josh was uh, like that when he was young. And that's why I'm kind of like, wow, I, I, I'd like to hear what in, Indianapolis Colt fans think about Anthony Richardson because, to me, it seems like he's the upside's unbelievable and he's got so far to go. He's going to improve vastly really quickly because he's starting from – 
so close to no experience, just 13 college games. Mm-hmm. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Other news, Jonathan Taylor is back with the Colts, but he still wants to be traded and remains on the PUP list. Uh, Chiefs wide receiver Justin Ross left today's practice on a cart. Um, I think it was a leg injury on that, but I'm all I'm also already seeing reports that it's not as bad um, as people thought it to be. And then some terrible news. Um, Ravens running back, former Ravens and Seahawks running backs, Alex Collins, um, died as a result of a motorcycle crash. He was 28 years old. You hate to see that. Um, Somebody who played in the NFL for a few years, especially at a result of a motorcycle crash. So terrible news out of of that area where, where people have cheered for the Seahawks and the Ravens, somebody that a lot of fans probably love. Um, When we return, we are going to dip into the tweet sheet, uh, talk about what do you guys think about this Dalvin Cook and Zeke Elliott deal? Are you in on it? Do you think it's going to be harder for the Bills? Is it no big deal? We want to hear your thoughts next on One Bills Live. We're presented by Clyde Health on Buffalo Bills Radio. We're back here on One Bills Live. We're discussing what we think about the Dalvin Cook and Zeke Elliott additions to the AFC East. Does it worry you or are you like no big deal? Uh, what about the Patriots? What about the Jets? Is it different for depending on what team you're you're talking about? Well, we've got Kevin from Hamburg. He's been hanging on the line. So, Kevin, we'll go right over to you. What do you think about the additions to the Jets and the Patriots? Are you worried at all? Um, I'm more worried about the Jets. Dalvin Cook than I am the Patriots. Zeke Elliott seems to be on the decline a little bit compared to if he would have picked him up in 2019. Dalvin Cook worries me much more just because, well, you saw the Minnesota nightmare, how that big touchdown run, one of the things that took the air right out of our stadium, well, Matt and the fumbles and interceptions and stuff like that. So I'm much more worried about Dalvin, and with Brees Hall coming back, that's going to be kind of like, oof, I don't know. I'm much more. I'm not as much worried about Zeke as I am Dalvin after the Minnesota nightmare. So I'll yeah, hang I up and get, let you guys talk. Then. Yeah, I Thanks, get Kevin. it. Zeke uh, has kind of a. I think he's feel. Um, most people feel like Zeke was on the decline even in Dallas because. Paul, Tony Pollard took over his spot anyway in Dallas. He couldn't hang in there with Dallas. And, and I've, I've thought most people think that Dallas has got a really good roster, always, always has some talent. And to not be able to run behind the offensive line of the Dallas Cowboys, you, you, something's wrong. Tony Pollard could do it. Uh, so, Zeke, I don't know what he's got to give. Um, it'll be interesting to see. And I'm kind of with Kevin from Hamburg. I'm Dalvin can you plug him into where Brees Hall's vacancy was, even though Brees Hall now is off the PUP list. Um, they got two really good backs. Uh, you got to feel like the Bills feel like they've got a strong stable of backs. You only most teams only play one of them at a time. Mm-hmm. Now you can put both of them out there. Somebody's got to sit down. So, okay. Uh, I, great. And I, I told you this. Good players make you better, but you got to find a way to get them on the field too. Yeah. You got to make room for them. Yeah. 
I think Dalvin Cook does have a little bit more left in the tank compared to Zeke Elliott, but we will see. Zeke Elliott might have a bigger opportunity there with the Patriots. I know they have Ramondre Stevenson, but Damian Harris is no longer a part of that roster as he's now a Buffalo Bill. You've got a crowded room there over at the Jets. Dalvin Cook is a very talented running back, but so is Brees Hall. How do they use those two? I think that's a big question mark there, as well as all the other options that they have on that offense. It's going to become a very crowded offense to be a part of with the wide receivers that they brought in and and now with Dalvin Cook. I guess it's a good problem to have if you're the Jets, but how does it all work? How does it come together, and does it really make a difference? We will see, but coming up next, we're going to have Eric Wood on the show, former center and the Bills radio color analyst. He's joining us us next on One Bills Live, so stay with us here. We're presented by Kaleida Health on Buffalo Bills Radio. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Welcome into our number two of One Bills Live. Maddie Glab alongside Steve Tasker today. Chris Brown will be back tomorrow. The guys had their second practice back in Orchard Park today as they turn the page kind of halfway through training camp. I would say even more than halfway through training camp as we move on to closed-ish practices. Now the media can still watch all of practice, but fans are no longer in attendance. Um, morning practices for the rest of the week. They're going about 9.30 to 11.30 every day. And, and each with each week, we'll get closer and closer to an in-season schedule. At right. some point, they'll shift gears to having afternoon practices, um, mid-afternoon, not really late. It's more right. like lunchtime practices, um, which is what the guys do while we're in season. So they're going to start, I would say, turning the page even more uh, to being like an in-season team with roster cuts coming up on August 29th. But for our number two of the show, we've got a friend of the show. Eric Wood is joining us. He's the Bills radio color analyst and a former Bills center. And Eric, we want to start off uh, from the preseason game with you. We haven't had a chance, at least on this show, to break down what you saw from that preseason show show I mean game it was a show for the people watching though um so what did you think of the preseason game against the Colts what stood out to you I know you were calling the game with Chris Brown so it was fun to to hear you guys back in action mid-season form I would say uh there was a few blunders on my end I felt uh, like I might have been in a little bit of preseason mode as well but it was a lot of fun being back with Brownie uh in the booth Sal Crusher's always from the field and John Murphy was in the broadcast booth with us in attendance so it was great to have John back there as well it was fun uh to get back in the swing of things and and see the start of the 2023 season and the Bills came out and, and looked sharp you know offensively uh they came out got the touchdown early very short field but Cook gets four touches early, uh, gets the touchdown, and I thought that first unit, mainly running the football with Kyle Allen under center, they looked sharp. Uh, Bill start off in 12 personnel. Uh, it was uh, 
Last year, I believe, we started the season in five wides, and it just seems like this year it's going to be a different tune with Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox being out there and seeing more 12 personnel this year. Uh, Kyle Allen, uh, Josh said it in his media availability today, you know, he's he's continuing to make progress in learning this offense, and there's a lot of different nuances that he's still learning. So as the preseason goes on, I think uh, we should see progression from him. Matt Barkley has been in the system for a while, and and that showed. 14 for 15 in the game. Barkley looked incredible out there, and, and that's a good sign for some of these good young receivers and then also uh, providing some protection in front of him with some of the younger offensive linemen out there. Defensively, uh, you know, the focus was on, you know, that middle linebacker spot and, and there and then the quarterback competition. And Jackson gets an early interception in the game. Elam and Benford both with a penalty apiece. But, you know, that's that's still an open competition. And, you know, Bill's got a, a luxury uh, having four great cornerbacks, four good cornerbacks on this roster. Troy White set in stone over there. But that three-way competition at corner um, is going to be a good one. It's going to be something we got to monitor up into the regular season. It wouldn't surprise me to see them platooning guys doing mm-hmm. the every two-series yeah. rotation like we've seen in the past from this Bills defense at that cornerback two-spot. Mm-hmm. What did you think about the offensive line's performance and the rotate? I know there's a ton of guys that played. Uh, what did you think about Osiris Torrance and the, yeah. and the competition at right guard? You know, I thought Osiris looked smooth, and so they wanted to play him. That doesn't necessarily mean that he's number one ahead of Ryan Bates right now. It's still a competition, but they've seen Ryan Bates play against NFL starters on Sunday uh, before, so they wanted to get Osiris some action uh, against uh, the guys playing for the Colts and uh, DeForest Buckner, the really talented all-pro defensive tackle. He didn't play for the Colts in the game, but he got to play against uh, some experienced NFL guys, and I think maybe the the best thing was, you know, we didn't talk about him on air. We didn't notice him. And a lot of times with an offensive line, uh, when you're evaluating offensive line, when you don't notice him, that's a good sign. So I thought he looked smooth in his first action out there. And and that's going to be another competition we have to monitor. And Ryan Bates having the flexibility that he does, being able to play every spot along the offensive line that makes him just so valuable in that sixth man role that, you know, as, as this plays out, uh, I think internally the Bills are probably rooting for o- Osiris to kind of take that step. And yes, he's a second round pick and you want your second round picks to be playing as early as possible. But, you know, Bates is just so valuable as a swing guy uh, being able to back those guys up. And and I thought it was a, a strong so- showing from Osiris Torrance and, and a number of guys on the offensive line. Yeah, they've got an, they do have a, a guy like Bates who can play all five spots, both tackles, both guards. And he obviously played some center this last week. They're also, and one of the things that Brownie always chimes in about is how they player development department of the Bills really gets these guys to play. They're trying to duplicate Ryan Bates' versatility with guys like Alec Anderson, with got you know all these other uh, offensive linemen they've got down the down the the pipe. Greg Mance, David Edwards, of course, is a is a wily veteran who could be a swing guard, of course. But that is so huge having a guy like that, and you don't. And I guess the thing is, even if he's a better right guard than Osiris Torrance is at the moment, you know Torrance's upside is going to be there. And Bates, you don't want to unplug him from right guard or get him into right guard where he can't play him. You know, it hampers his ability to stay sharp at the other positions. It's all he's almost more valuable as the next guy in, right? Yeah, I, I agree with that one hundred percent because you're going to have injuries throughout a season, and having a guy that has 
NFL starting experience, a guy who's been in this offense and a guy that has experience at a number of positions. He just becomes so valuable in that backup role. And, and so, yeah, that's, that's a great point, what you made, Steve. The only thing that scares you a little bit about playing a rookie at that right guard spot is you start off the season at New York on the road on Monday night football <laughs> against a very talented Jets defensive line. So it's one of those situations where, yes, you're looking at the upside and the potential and yes, you want him to be the starter so that you could get, um, you know, Ryan Bates in that six man role, but not at the expense of getting your quarterback blown up in week one. Right. I want to ask you about the running backs. We saw a little bit of James Cook against the Colts. He was he had four carries for 20 yards, so averaged five yards per attempt, which is a, a great stat to have. And we saw Latavius Murray catch a couple of passes. He had um, a big gain for, I think, over 15 yards for a first down there um, in, a, in a needed type of situation. I think he showed up. What did you see out of Latavius and James? We didn't see Damian Harris because he in, he is injured right now, but this running back room looks a little bit different because Naheem Hines will not be a part of the team this year with his injury. Hopefully Damian Harris um, comes back within, within the next couple of practices. Sean McDermott said he's trending in the right direction, but uh, where do you see Latavius a part of this lineup? And, and then James Cook and the upside that he does have in year number two with this team. Yeah, I've been really impressed with how much spark, just the the suddenness and the quickness and the speed that Latavius Murray at 33 years old mm -hmm. and the size that he has, that he still has in the tank. And this is a guy that, um, you know, has taken care of himself throughout his career, a true pros pro, and, and he gives them a different dimension. Last year with Singletary and Cook and even Hines, just all those guys are kind of a, a speed, a quicker game, um, smaller running backs with Harris and Murray. You kind of get that duo where you get a little bit different, um, different games from those guys you get more power there and you can just do different things to dictate um, how the defense is going to play you so I'm excited about that James Cook has looked great all through training camp he looked sharp in the action that we got to see him in and look we know he can make plays with the ball in his hands the issue last year at times was pass protection okay if you have him in there on third down if they send a blitz, you don't necessarily you didn't necessarily have the confidence in him last year to to get a job get the job done and pass protection consistently. Well, Sean McDermott told us in the production meeting Friday when when Steve was in there as well, he has been so impressed with how James Cook mm -hmm. has approached pass protection throughout training camp, his mentality with it to where he's a true three down back in this league. And he's a guy that I'm really excited for this season. One of the other things that about this coming into this first game, and I said in the open of our broadcast on the TV side, I'm not really worried about Sean McDermott and the staff making the adjustment to him as defensive coordinator. I think they're going to have their, you know, their T's crossed and their I's dotted. Um, I think the what I'm looking for is what it's going to be, how it's going to be different right. with him calling and not the fact that he can't get it done, but what's going to look different about this defense? What are the early signs for you that may be a little different? Well, Sean kept the, kept the game plan pretty vanilla for this one. One, he wants the guys to be able to play fast and not think too much so you can truly evaluate those guys that are out there playing in the game uh, last week against the Colts. But we did see some edge pressure, which is um, kind of standard. We've seen that in the past from Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier's defense. I don't think we're going to see all the different nuances um, until week one where they're uh, unveiling some stuff for Aaron Rodgers. It'd do them no good to give away any company secrets here throughout the preseason. 
but I think you're going to see a little bit more aggressiveness, maybe some different blitz packages. I remember going against Sean's defenses down in Carolina. There was a lot of those double A-gap looks on third downs with both linebackers lined up in the A-gaps and the, the four defensive linemen around them, which is it puts a lot of pressure on the offensive line when you have six guys up in the line of scrimmage like that. I think we'll see some of that. I think you'll see a little bit more um, – I don't want to say press coverage, but more um, up-in-your-face action on cornerback on the outside for a couple of reasons. One, you get Trey White fully back and healthy. And then also just looking at what affected them, especially in the playoffs last year, was just some two free access throws on the outside. So, um, I, and, and then the personnel of this defense, with them having essentially – 10 defensive linemen that they can roll in and out of there. Taylor Rapp having starting experience as a third safety. Do you bring him in a, a little bit more? You know, you got Taron Johnson, who's played great throughout his career. Is there situations where maybe Rapp and Taron are on there and it's a it's more of a, a dime defense with six DBs, but you have size and physicality in Rapp and Taron Johnson. It's going to be interesting to see how it all that shakes out. Eric, you're talking about all these possibilities that this team has on defense, and you think about the, all the possibilities on offense as well. Do you think it's being overlooked how how deep this team is this season? Some of the offseason moves that Brandon Bede made maybe toward the end of, of free agency and, and when – when it wasn't such big news, I, you know, the Leonard Floyd signing comes to mind. And it, it, I think moves like that really show what type of team this is. Do you think it's being overlooked a little bit, the depth that this team is going to have going into week one? Yeah, I think that's fair to say that it's been overlooked. And, you know, this is an organization that has had incredible stability with Sean McDermott in his seventh year, Brandon being there for six and a half years of those. They're completely aligned. They're drafting towards the same schemes year after year and through the draft, through free agency, and even not having any big ticket free agents like a Von Miller last year. They've been able to, to have some really good signings like McGovern and Leonard Floyd and Taylor Rapp where they've just continued to add depth throughout this team. And I, and I said it on the broadcast on Saturday, the Bills are tough in the preseason because, you know, their backups, I'm not saying all their backups could be starting elsewhere all around the league, but, man, they have a lot of guys with experience in this scheme and a lot of guys with playing experience on Sundays to where, you know, in the preseason you go out and you got a guy like Matt Barkley as your third quarterback and, and he can – really work the ball around the field, very comfortable in this offense. You see it on the defensive side of the ball as well, where you have guys like Basham and Epinesa who have played a lot of meaningful bit minutes for this Bills defense. Well, they're playing in the second half in these preseason games and, and really uh, putting a step forward out there. What do you think is the next step here towards – I know they, they got a long way, a couple of weeks ago before they ever think about releasing anybody. Uh, you got a couple – you got the Steelers coming up on Saturday – the Bears after that the next week. They don't make any cuts until then. What would you expect to see? Would this be the game? And I'm kind of thinking it might be. This game might see a couple of series from Josh on the road in Pittsburgh kind of thing. I think last year the second preseason game was when we saw Josh. Yeah, I think it was last year. What are, you, what are your thoughts on the rest of the preseason and how it's going to play out? Yeah, I, I think you would be fair to say that we could see Josh Allen this week for a couple series, probably a bunch of handoffs like we saw at the early uh, start of the Colts game, get the ball out of his hands quickly, maybe get some throws to guys he hasn't thrown to in a game before, a Hardy, um, Isabella, uh, Dalton Kincaid, <laughs> Isabella, sure you, yeah. you know, get those guys some action where, you know, in, in a real uniform, in a, in a, in a real setting, 
you know, he can, he can operate throwing the ball to those guys, but you're going to see the ball come out of his hands quickly. If he's out there, they don't want Josh uh, taking any shots out there in a preseason game, but you know, you, you want to get him some action. Sean McDermott said last week uh, in his press conference that, yeah, he, he wants to play Josh in the preseason a little bit. So I'd expect to see him out there this week. And then, you know, you have some position battles that we've talked about middle linebacker, cornerback right guard but then you know the the back end of the roster that wide receiver six uh backup safeties and corners this defensive line there's a lot of position battles out there um and guys that could have a role in this team that, that they're out there competing for their job each day so the bills opened up in 12 personnel you talked about it uh when during our first question and answer to you we got to see Dalton Kincaid out there. He didn't catch a pass in the preseason game, but I know you've been you've been seeing some of the highlights at practice, and and you got to see him on the field in a Bills uniform. What do you think about this kid, Dalton Kincaid, and and the ability that Dalton gives this offense to, to truly be a, a twelve personnel team where defenses have to think about their who about who they're putting on the field when Dalton Kincaid lines up, whether it's in the slot out wide as a blocker he can do a lot for this team yeah he puts a lot of pressure on a defense because of how athletic and big he is and then he can also block he's got the size to do it and then you know he's a force in the passing game and that's because he's got great hands he's got good speed and he's smart he sits in zones well um and, and that's what has given sean the confidence to say look where generally we bring rookies along pretty slow. He trusts Dalton to be out there on the field because of how quickly he picked up the offense, how how quickly he's adjusted to being able to sit in NFL coverages, which get pretty complicated out there. He's He's got a great feel for that, and he's a guy that I have big expectations for this season. And look, first game of the preseason, they start him out right away, and Good sign for uh, their first two draft picks as well that both those guys were starting out there on that Bills offense in the in the Colts game. Yeah, we've seen Kincaid, and I I've made the comparison. If you you know, if he looks like he's done this before at, at the pro level. You know, mm-hmm. he looks smooth. He looks unfazed by it. He looks like he's seen all of this before. Uh, certainly, uh, Josh. And I and I know you you probably understand what I'm talking about. When a receiver's when quarterbacks like a receiver, it's because they can read his body language really easy, and they know where he wants the ball, when he's ready for it, what he's going to do, with very few reps. And that's where Dalton Kincaid seemed to be right when he came in. He just thinks like a quarterback. When he comes out of the break, the quarterback says, "Oh, I see what you're doing." Boom, and throws him the football. That goes miles toward – that is chemistry. And some guys have the ability to get that really quickly. And Kincaid seems to be all about that. Yeah, it, it, that was from the start of camp. Josh yeah. was looking early and often at Kincaid, which when you have the talent that they have at receiver with Davis and Diggs, for him to be looking at Kincaid uh, as often as he is, I know he's trying to get – develop chemistry there as well with it being Kincaid's first year but yes he he's smart he's athletic he separates in man coverage but against zone defenses you know when you have a guy that, when you have a tight end that's as big as he is when you have that big of a target but he can also get open and find those open spots that that's very friendly for a quarterback yeah I was gonna say I think the spacing of it all for a rookie to understand spacing within within playing against zone and and where to be in the right pockets to be in to catch a ball I think says a lot about a guy who's been on an NFL team for only a few months already Um, can't wait to see what he's gonna look like in week one 
All right, Eric. The Jets, the Patriots, they've added a running back to their roster. Dalvin Cook heading to the Jets and Zeke Elliott heading to the Patriots. What do you make of these moves? And I'll I'll start first with the Patriots. Zeke heading to the New England Patriots. How do you think this helps their team? Do you think as a Bills fan they should be worried at all about something like this? What do you make of it? Yeah, I don't know how much Elliott's still got left in the tank. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Patriots did their homework before signing him, and they gave him a nice contract for a running back over $6 million, uh, can make up to $6 million bucks or a little over it. So they did their homework. They have confidence. Him and Ramonte uh, uh, Stevenson, you know, they'll be – that's that's kind of like your – what we were talking about earlier with Singletary and Cook last year. You know, they have a similar style. They're built on the power game. And so – I don't know that either of these moves are extreme needle movers. When you look at Dalvin Cook, extremely talented, but they had talent at running back already with Michael Carter and Brees Hall. You had Dalvin Cook there, and yes, he's a talented player. He's likely going to be the starter there, but I don't know how much of an upgrade that is over the other two guys that they already got there, but this is a talented Jets team. And you know, they're kind of the kicker to me with them is with this run game and even Rodgers, you know, can the offensive line get it done? And if they can, they're going to be a really, really formidable team this year. And if you and you talk about how you know these teams stockpile, I I said that good players make you better. But if you're already full of good players, who's going <laughs> to sit down so that good player can play instead of this good player? And which one's better? I mean, if and I think that's a hard call to make. And we saw this way back. You probably this is before anybody's time except mine. When Daniel Snyder, who just sold the Washington Commanders, when he bought that team, he went in and paid a ton of money to guys like Bruce Smith and Deion Sanders and that, the really tremendously great players. It did not work well. This almost this Jet team almost smacks that. And certainly the Rodgers thing is a difference maker. And the Jets have built a little bit more through the draft than that team I'm talking about back in the day. But man, oh, man. It needs to go well, and it needs to go well early, I think. Yeah, I think I think you're spot on. It reminds me of the, during my time, the Philadelphia team that loaded up with Mike Vick, and, you know, they, they had all the big free agent signings, and it didn't quite work out. And I know as Bills fans and uh, employees, we were <laughs> hoping that it doesn't work out over there, but, you know, they're – they're, they're a fun team to track right now. Right. We'll see if it translates to the regular season. Um, Hard Knocks did a pretty good job. Week one, painting Rodgers, maybe not to be the person that we've seen in the media. And I've spent some time with Aaron. Good dude. You know, he's going to be well-liked in the locker room when he goes there. But, yeah, we'll see if they can if they can piece it all together. But, you know, they had such good young talent at that running back spot. Yes, adding Dalvin Cook is going to help out a roster. He's one of the best running backs in the NFL. But is it at the expense of furthering your development of Brees Hall and Michael Carter? Yeah, that's a great point. Great point. Eric, thank you so much for being with us today. We appreciate uh, your thoughts on the first preseason game for the Bills. And we know you'll be right back at it on Saturday. So will you, Tasker. A game against the Steelers, 630 is kickoff. So appreciate you, Eric. Yeah, my pleasure. Always fun, guys. All righty.
All right, that was Eric Wood, former Bills center and current Bills radio color analyst. Love what he adds um, to the conversation and his thoughts and how he's kind of seen this team. It's always great to hear a different perspective. I mean, we've been talking about this team for a few weeks now, at least in training camp, what they've looked like and coming off of their first preseason game. We have um, a little more information to speak about now, and it's yeah. fun to because we're like everybody, um, even people who – aren't invested in the team yet fantasy teams you have you know, know. And, and now you're, you're now you're trying to start to f- prognosticate yeah. the future and it's, it's always hard opinion. but every little bit of information particularly against a real NFL team gives you that much more confidence that you're going to be right so next gen stats just tweeted a thread of week one preseason thoughts after week one of the NFL preseason is in the book. So they did 10 notable performances and trends from across the league. The bills were a part of two of those trends. One was shouting out Matt Barkley for the job that he did at quarterback. The other, I thought that it was interesting because we were just talking about 12 personnel, the bills using 12 personnel coming out in 12 personnel to start the game against the Colts. And this tweet says the Bills used 12 personnel on 35.6% of their offensive plays almost 10 times as often as their league low 3.6 rate in 2022. This could signal increased usage for starting tight end Dawson Knox and first round pick Dalton Kincaid. I surely think it's it's signaling that I don't I don't know if they're going to be using it thirty five point six percent of the time, but right. it may they're be, definitely going to be up from a league low of three point six percent. It may be a smoke screen, you know, where they're giving all these teams something to think about. The Bills didn't. The Bills like three plays out of a hundred, they were in twelve personnel action. Then this one was one out of three. Yeah. Um, this last week. And, of course, you know, you pick a guy like Kincaid, and if he's good, you, you keep doing it. But, yeah, I'm with you, Maddie. I have a hard time seeing him doing it 30, a third That's of the a time. Lot. It's a lot. Um, but, nevertheless, who knows? we know Dalton Kincaid's a really good player. Dawson Knox is a very good player, and it makes a lot of sense to get him on the field. So, we'll see. I'm. We need – more information. I don't want you to know the kind of couple games before I start talking about that. Before you start talking about that, I thought it was an interesting stat, though, um, to see that number next to 12 personnel because when you have a guy like Dalton Kincaid on your roster, you're going to use it more. And I know Brandon Bean has talked about a lot. He's kind of an 11 and a half personnel type of player because right. he is going to do uh, more in terms of route running and pass catching than blocking. But to think about it that way, if he can truly add blocking to his arsenal, that's going right. to make it even harder then, for defenses. Then it'll be really, truly 12 personnel. Yeah. Where you got two big offensive tackle-like tight ends that are pushing people around. And then what, what you're trying to do is get the defense to declare their opinion. Get a mismatch. Yeah, they want to declare their opinion about what your offense can do against them. And they will match up with their strength on your strength. And they will tell you what their opinion is by the people they put out there and the coverages that they run. And by deducting what they're doing, they're thinking, okay, they don't think we can run out of this formation. Let's let's hand it off mm-hmm. a couple of times and, and lump them up a little bit. It'll be fun to see if the Bills can make teams pay for whatever decision they make about their 12 Whoa. personnel. Yeah, right. That's what I want to <laughs> exactly. see. Exactly. Sean McDermott. Exactly. 
Ken Dorsey going, ah, you just put that exactly. guy out there. We're going to eat you up. That's right. We're going to eat you for lunch. That's exactly right, Maddie. you got to make force the other team to declare their opinion about your offense and your personnel and then make them pay for that mm-hmm. and then make them change their mind and then make them pay for that too. That's when you're really, really good. And that's I'm what the bills. Excited. That's where the bills have been. That's where the bills have been in the last few years. They can yeah. beat you a multitude of ways. I mean, at the end of the last season, it was tough though because you had injuries. You right. only had so many things to work with on offense, and I think they lost a little bit of that multiplicity yeah, that the they wanted. They had. Yeah, yeah, the flexibility that it. they started off the season with. The injuries are going to hit everybody, yeah. and, but last year they were the Bills were really they had so many guys that were either dragging something around, weren't as effective as they should have been, or were just flat out of the lineup, uh, both offensively and defensively, and, and they had they had to overcome it. And they did for the most part all the way up until the divisional round of the playoffs, um, and that you know, but they finally caught up to them, and, and they were still overcome. thirteen and three. Yeah. We'll see how they do it this Still year. Still pretty dang good. When this, team, when this team's 100% healthy. Watch out. They are 100% difficult to beat. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to dip into the tweet sheet, or should I call it the X sheet? I don't know. What are we calling things these days, guys? I, I have no idea. Or is it just that thing we're just going to keep calling keep it Twitter? Calling so it I'm, I'm fine with that, too. So um, come back and join us here on One Bills Live in a few minutes. We're presented by Kaleida Health. This is Buffalo Bills Radio. We're back on One Bills Live. Maddie Glab alongside of Steve Tasker, our Twitter or X question. I don't know. We need to ask uh, the crowd, the viewers, what they want us to call this now. Um, Twitter question topic today is hmm. Dalvin Cook, Zeke Elliott heading to the AFC East. Do you think it's Do you think it's going to be tough on the teams that are going to have to face these two twice a year you can tweet at us or call us 803-0550 speaking of callers we've got jj who's been hanging on the line so jj what do you have for us yeah uh it's not really uh running back related but i uh, just want to give a call and um see if you guys agree that the wide receiver room needs a little bit of a shake-up here what do you make of a shake-up what do you what, what, what do you kind mean? of shake-up do you mean um, my thought is that right now is the perfect time to sell high on a guy like Gabe Davis because we have a lot of com- uh, great, competent receivers behind them like Khalil Shakur. Um, you know, you sell high on Gabe Davis, get some good capital back, and then rely on Diggs and the guys that you have in-house. Yeah, like um, who do you like in, in, in regards to Davis? Do you think Sh- Khalil Shakir could be the X guy where Davis is, or should Khalil stay at slot? And who goes to Gabe Davis' spot if they go three wide? Uh, I like Shakir at the X spot, and then I think you can find the slot receiver. I feel like those one of the most replaceable positions in football right now. Uh, wide receivers tend to get paid pretty quickly, so I know the Bills are up against the salary cap here uh, coming up soon, so I think it's a perfect time to unload Gabe. Oh, okay, right, thanks. thanks. Appreciate thanks, JD. it. I think what they do have, you think, I think Tasker? I think they feel like because and uh, just like J.J. feels like Gabe Davis is at a high watermark, watermark right now. And the, I think the Bills feel like he's still got a lot more in mm-hmm. him. So I don't think they want to get rid of him. I think they want to have him give that to them. Um, I don't think they're ready to give up on Gabe. And I think to think back to how Gabe's career began, I think the Bills have a lot more faith in him than Bills fans do after last season when he was injured. Um, 
I think they tend to forget that. I think you're right. Gabe was not as good as we wanted him to be last year. He was inconsistent. He drops the ball, dropped the ball too much, um, all of that. And and I get to the thought that a lot of people are like, well, you know, I just you don't feel like he's that unique that you can't replace him with guys in house with even with Sherfield or Shorter um, or uh, any of the other guys they've got in camp. They feel like gosh, it's, it's going to be easier to find somebody uh, like and with um, who's the other guy I'm thinking of like Keyshawn Johnson, um, Terrell Shavers. Those guys, they're big bodies, um, and you know, particularly a guy like Terrell Shavers, who had a, an up a really wildly up and down game this last Saturday. Caught a touchdown, uh, made a block, but had a had a drop. Uh, he drew a penalty down the field. Mm-hmm. Had some really good stuff go for his way, and then had some stuff go bad. They don't feel Gabe Davis is that difficult to replace, and certainly maybe last year's Gabe Davis might have been that way. But I think the club and and the and the coaches feel they like him. I think they like him a lot and have more faith in him than the average fan does just because of the way the season I want to see what he has in his tank this year. I want to see – not in his tank. That's not the right way to say it. I want to see what he has to show this year. I think he has a lot left in his tank. I want to see what he can do on the field. I think Gabe Davis had – I could he had he had a great camp and he continues to have a great mm-hmm. camp. Him and Stefan Diggs are up there for for and Don Kincaid are up there for best offensive weapons in terms of the camps that these three have put together. I mean, the plays that some of them have made and, and specifically talking about Gabe Davis, he has been so consistent during camp and that's the thing that we wanted to see from him. He's showing it to us in camp, that consistency that he lacked last year because he said, I thought I took a step back with that ankle injury. I don't want to give that up yet. I want to see what that means for the Bills this year and how it works with Stefan Diggs and Dalton Kincaid and how it's all put together. He had a catch today that is one of the best catches I've seen during camp. Josh Allen, Josh said it was on fourth down, so it was a gotta-have-it play. And Josh Allen, they were in the red zone, and he threw a pass to the corner um, of the end zone, and Gabe Davis was there to go up for the grab. It was a 50-50 ball against Tredavious White. Gabe went up, got some air and and came up over Trey so so he had better placement of the ball but to haul it in he basically had to catch the ball on the back of Tredavious White it was a great play by Gabe Trey was right in on the play too but it was an incredible grab I don't we've seen I don't want to give up that yeah we've seen Gabe play at a high high level um he fits the offense extremely well and and I get it too. Everybody wants, you know, everybody wants their team to have a Jalen uh, Waddle and a Tyreek Hill and a Steph Diggs and a whoever Julio Jones in his prime. You, you, you yeah. Have, and I get it. Uh, I, I just and I and I'm I'm all for upgrading every spot on the roster. I just don't know that they can do it with upgrade Gabe Davis's spot with somebody who's here on the roster right now. Right. I don't. Gabe Davis is playing for a reason. Because he's better than most of those guys. And I don't think a player like Khalil Shakir has done enough to separate himself from the rest of the pack. Khalil, to me, is not the kind of athlete to can play an X. 
He's a smaller. He's a smaller body type of guy, receiver. and sometimes you see that in the way that receiver. yeah, in the way that he plays. I think Khalil has had some some sure great grabs through camp as well, but I don't think he's been as consistent as a Gabe Davis this year. If you're comparing those two in the same position, I wouldn't like you said either because he's a different body type, um, and I think he sure can learn different positions but I don't know if that's where they would see him fitting um we've seen a lot out of Trent Sherfield been impressed by him been impressed by Deontay Hardy um but I think some of these younger guys you're still waiting to see what is how are you going to pan out what is it what is right. it going to look like for you for a, a guy like Justin Shorter for you know you say a Tyrell Shavers he's he's had a great camp but then in the preseason game you know he, you draw a penalty, like mm-hmm. you said. You were involved in a touchdown pass. Keyshawn Johnson has had some great catches. Isaiah Coulter had some great catches, too, but then he got injured. Um, I think the bottom of the wide receiver room, when you're talking about how many wide receivers are going to be a part of the active roster, the 53. I think six. That's a hard room to make, and I think the guys that go to the practice squad, I don't even know – if they're going to go to the practice right, squad, may, because I think some of them are going to get plucked by other teams. Yeah, That's I, I how well it. this group has been performing. They've all had their days where they've stood out. Yeah, and if you're talking about that X receiver opposite Steph, who's a Z, um, a guy like Steph, and, and they're interchangeable, and certainly there are exceptions to what I'm about to say because we've seen it. Steph is not an enormous, big-time, 6'4", 220-pound, 4'3 guy. He is a route runner and a technician who mm-hmm. can get open just against any man coverage. The, the, the guy opposite Steph, what you ideally, I think, would want would be a big 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", guy. That is Justin Shorter. Who is a physical president. Aside presence. from Gabe Davis. Right, so you can, you can put Steph with, Justin, with uh, Dalton Kincaid, and yeah. a slot receiver yes. trips to one side and then have this this other guy who's a big physical body against the third or second or third corner on their roster because they got three guys over here. They're going to put all their coverage to the th- trip side, right. and you leave this big X receiver over here by himself on an island along with the corner. That's kind of the, the mentality you have, a guy who is a – you've got to have a corner that's got some skills – to play against him because he's too big not to put a big body on, right? So that's the kind of guy you kind of want opposite a guy like Steph who, like, goes in motion, moves around, plays off the line of scrimmage so you can't really get right up in his face, and he just avoids you. A guy like Gabe, step right up on the line of scrimmage and, you know, slap the taste out of your mouth. you you got you to physically bear up to play yes. a, big, a big dude like that. And he like looks bigger and, this season. Yes, like, like Shorter and Shavers. Those guys are way over 6'2", mm-hmm. and they're big. So they give you that. But I'm not ready to – I'm not ready to deal – I guess we're, neither one of us are ready to deal Gabe Davis on the chance that one of these two guys – now, they've seen – now, the coaches know him. They, they've got more information than we do. Maybe they like these guys, and they would do it. But, man, oh, man, Gabe Davis is a guy who has earned – I think what Gabe adds to your offense, you can't yeah, do that. He's you earned can't do that some right now. trust with his coaching staff that's hard to, to earn. Mm-hmm. The, the staff, the players, they, they speak volumes of the, the type of guy in the locker room that he is and the type of work that he puts yeah, in I, to perfect his craft. Coaches and like guys like Brandon Bean, he's paid not to get emotionally attached to guys. They're paid to be objective. Like, you may love this guy, it's great, you're, 
you know, you have him over the house for Thanksgiving stuff. I'm sorry. He's leaving because we got a better player. You got to have people in your organization that are willing to do that. Um, and it's not like he's a second round pick that's that's playing like a second round pick. He right. is a he was a fourth round pick. Yeah. No. Staying. That's I have a hard time. I have yeah. I'm with you. I have a hard time getting to the point where I'm just saying, you know what, we're we're going to move on from him. I, I'm just not there yet. I I understand. You know, JJ is our caller. He's like, it's time to sell high on him. We could probably get no. The time to sell high on him was last year after he caught four touchdowns in Kansas City. <laughs> you could have gotten. You might have gotten a one for the guy. Um. Yeah. Well, yeah. there you go. All right. When we come back, we're gonna wrap up shop here close up shop here um we will maybe answer a couple of a tweet sheet comments read those off i know we haven't really gotten to that yet so we'll do that next here on one bills live we're presented by clyde help this is buffalo bills radio All right, it's official. The Bills have announced that offensive tackle Brandon Shell has officially been placed on the reserve slash retired list. So reports after practice were correct about Brandon Shell retiring from the game. That yeah. question now for the offensive line depth really at right tackle because he was kind of backing up Spencer Brown, at least what we mm-hmm. saw from the training camp portions that were open to media and fans at St. John Fisher University. Um, so we'll see what happens with the rotation out there. We know offensive line depth is really important, not just to the Bills, but to any team in the NFL. Yeah, that'll be guys. Well, Tommy Doyle will move up. Kessenberry will move up. Ryan Vandermark. Vandermark. Uh, Alec Anderson has done both tackle and he's working at center now. Um, all those guys, Richard Couriage will also be out there as well. Couriage was – Couriage, I guess. is um, He's out there working at tackle. Uh, left tackle in some spots as well. Mm-hmm. So they've got guys on the roster that they're given a chance, and all those guys just kind of move up one tick wherever Brandon Shell was in the pecking order. And, by the way, I wish Brandon Shell a lot of uh, best wishes. Yeah. It's hard to say goodbye to an NFL career. And today's no small thing for Brandon Shell. He came in, he was a bill for a cup of coffee in a training camp <laughs> and decided to hang it up. Best wishes. I hope I hope your the rest of your life is is blessed and and prosperous, and uh, you're getting out at the right time because it's when you get to pick the time, it's the best time. Yep. All right, that's going to do it for us for a Tuesday edition of One Bills Live tomorrow. Brownie is back in the seat, and Robert Mays will be joining Chris Brown and Steve Tasker. He's from the Athletics, so conversations will continue about this team as we move closer to August 29th. That's that roster cut down day. We hope you guys have a good rest of your afternoon and we'll see you tomorrow from one to three.